Pericles, Prince of Tyre, chapter five. Hello, and welcome to the commentary track for episode five of Pericles, Prince of Tyre, produced by Pendant Productions. I am Jeff Robinson, the co-director of Pericles, Prince of Tyre, and joining me are Adam Blanford, my fellow co-director. Adam, great to have you. Thank you for having me here. Great to be here. And we are also joined by Morgan Z. Sowell, our esteemed uh, dramaturge for this production. Morgan, great to have you as well. Pleasure to be here, gentlemen. So, uh, final chapter, uh, chapter five of five, uh, Pericles, Prince of Tyre, uh, each uh, of the five acts of the play fitting neatly into one episode. And we're kicking off here with uh, Theo Holt Bailey as a Gower, our narrator, as usual. Um, of course, uh, doing a, a fantastic job setting the scene um, and uh, kind of striking an upbeat tone as we talk about uh, Marina escaping the, the brothel uh, and a glorious reunion to, to come in just a few a few minutes here. Um, so Morgan, you know, what, uh, you know, as you, as you uh, kind of edited this uh, episode for, for audio production, um, you know, what kind of uh, struck your mind as you, as you put together this episode? Well, I would definitely thank uh, thank William Shakespeare for keeping in mind what a reasonable podcast length is uh, for <laughs> each nice of the acts. Yes, for this one, uh, Pericles is one of the shorter plays he ever wrote, and it fits perfectly into a uh, episode per act structure. Mm -hmm. Indeed, it does. And uh, Adam, you know, as you as you listen to this episode, um, you know, anything in particular that uh, struck you between between all the scenes and such. I was just, as always, uh, amazed at your prowess at, at putting everything together and just creating a very seamless experience for the for the uh, for the listener. I, you know, you you've got such a great uh, approach to putting everything together that uh, I I, I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Um, so now we have uh, entered the ship where. Uh, Heracles is uh, is to be found, and uh, lots of characters kind of coming in left and right. I found myself having to use quite a few footsteps uh, in, uh, in these various scenes. Adam, I don't know about you, but uh, that's something I always struggle with uh, when when directing an episode is getting getting the right amount of footsteps. You know, the right uh, the right uh, you know surface, whether they're walking on wood or concrete and such. Uh, always one of those nitpicky things that I like find myself tweaking it over and over and over again. <laughs> I yeah, in general, I think four footsteps really does it. Uh, it's just really trying to gauge whether or not it's a continuous movement or just somebody trying to go from point A to point B. Once you've got that figured out, I think you're in good shape. But uh, yeah, in general, I have a rule of four yeah. and or multiples of four, and then that's it. <laughs> And there we hear uh, Russell Gold as Pericles very briefly uh, moaning in the background there. I thought he thought he did that very well. I think uh, Morgan, your script just says soft moan here in parentheses. So give me a couple good uh, good solid takes for that. But um, Well, he's, he's there, but he doesn't say anything, which is very difficult for audio. Uh, for, a good, for a good chunk of time, he's just there. Exactly, yep. They pull back the curtain and he's just uh, kind of lying there in bed moaning to himself. 
but uh, but yeah, I, I found myself as I edited this particular episode being able to really visualize the characters um, in my head uh, more so than usual. Not not quite sure why, but uh, yeah, it really really helped to to kind of piece the scene together, keeping track of the various folks coming coming in and out of the scene and such. And uh, Kirsty Wolven as Helicanus playing a major part uh, in in this episode, kind of trying to uh, explain her her boss, so to speak, uh, his his mental state to all the uh, visitors coming and going um, and uh, explain that he is not really in a position to take visitors right now, but uh, nonetheless. Uh, and yet they keep coming in. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Won't leave the guy alone, but it all turns out great. I am prevented. Oh, here is the lady that I sent for. My lord. Welcome, fair one. Here you um, hear the uh, technique that I've, we've both Adam and I have used often throughout this production, where um, you know you hear a character who needs to utter something that isn't supposed to be heard by another character, so you kind of uh, place it off to the side through yep. panning and such. Uh, to, to make it as obvious as you can, uh, you know, that it's just a conversation between two people and the third person present isn't supposed to hear them, which again is a, is a tough thing to do in audio, but uh, with a little experimentation, you can get it done. Yeah, it, it's always important to do it. Uh, I think the rule is no more than 60% panning over to you know, the right or left. Yep, agreed. But, but uh, that, that'll do it. It gives just enough differentiation for the listener to, to understand. Here she goes. So here is Emmeline Tuck uh, singing uh, a solo, just did a brilliant job. And, and Morgan, I wanted to come to you to ask, um, you know, this, this particular song is, is not in the actual script of, of Pericles. It literally just says something like, she sings and that's it. How did, you, uh, how did you come up with this melody and these lyrics to go along with it? Uh, very, very well done. Oh, well, thank you. Um, well, the melody, luckily, luckily it falls in the... the um, what am I trying to say here? The meter of the song is just a basic old English ballad. Mm. So they are they are um, a kind of universal way that one set of ballad lyrics can fit any of the ballad tunes. So just trying to find the tune that matched it was um, was just just uh, uh, the, it's an old ballad called Oak and Ash and Thorn. And I just listened to every possible ballad and sang the tunes to myself, trying to figure out which one will fit this. Uh, and the lyrics are from, again, the, the novelization by George Wilkins that he wrote of Shakespeare's play at the time. Ah, okay. She's really good. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. Totally nailed this. And and uh, one thing in the editing that I tried to do is um, at first I had all the ambient sound kind of fade away as she starts singing, but then slowly bring it back in um, a little bit uh, as as her as her music goes on. Lindia. Yeah, Shakespeare kind of left the, kind of left us hanging there with She Sings, a song that has to completely stop the show and change everything. Right, Some, exactly. Somebody else figure it out. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Will. Yes. Yeah, it makes me curious, all the various productions, stage productions of Pericles that have that have taken place, how uh, different different directors have approached that. Because uh, I watched as many as I could, and some of them, I have no idea where they got what they had or where they were going with it. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, can, I try to give mine as much much provenance to back to Shakespeare and uh, and George as I can, mm -hmm. and like again, just luckily it fits the old uh, the old ballad format. Mm -hmm. 
fortunes. Uh, so this, by far, uh, exchange between Pericles and Marina was my favorite part um, of the episode to direct this back and forth that continues on for a while, um, you know, kind of starting off with this ominous music as Pericles is slowly awakened, um, but, but remains sort of clueless as to, as to who Marina is and, and bit by bit, very, very slowly um, starts to pick up on on who she is. So getting the right music uh, through this scene and, and striking the right notes with that was uh, was tons of tons of fun. Choosing the music is always the greatest challenge, I think, to really capture that that atmosphere. But you read the play and you're thinking, come on, seriously, you got to figure this out. You don't know your own kid. <laughs> <laughs> and the scene could really come off almost almost farcical if it wasn't for it wasn't for such fine performances from our from our leads here. Yes. Because it's so much like, oh, I lost a baby. I lost a dad. I lost a wife. I lost a mom. Wait a minute. <laughs> it's like, come on, can you guys not figure this out already? If I should tell my history, it would seem like I left my child. My dad left me. Wait. <laughs> yeah, again, you know, just one of those things where it's so amazing to think of these actors recording their lines totally separately from each other, and yet it, it feels like they're in the exact same space, exact same time when it all comes together. I feel like the moral of the story of this play is do not travel by boat. <laughs> Only Solid bad advice. things will happen. Solid advice. Now, do they do they give a lot of different uh, takes for you to figure out which ones mesh the best, or is it just alchemy that this happens? Uh, some people will give anywhere from three to five takes. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we'll get maybe one or two. Uh, that's been my experience. Um, and then sometimes you have to wade through the, the takes and make sure that they're usable. Sometimes yeah. there are mouth pops and other things that, that just render some of them completely useless. Um, so it, 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 sometimes it is kind of alchemy, but um, actors tend to learn to, to start really mild and then to ramp up the emotion with each take. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have a scale to work with. This is one of my favorite lines of the whole episode where he just like, he just loses it. He's like, you are mocking me. Like this is, this is some BS here. Like, I don't believe it. Um, and, and Russell just the emotion in his voice uh, with, a, you know, I am mocked just uh, totally struck the perfect tone uh, for me. And then I found this, uh, you know, just crazy like this music to back it up um you know where the drum beat literally is on the exact words as he says i am mocked and i was like this is a this is an awesome coincidence and then uh this music here i tried to strike a more creepy vibe because he's like now he's like he doesn't believe yet that she's his daughter he's just kind of like really weirded out and saying this is a really creepy coincidence here for i was born at sea at sea what mother my mother was the daughter of a king who died the minute I was born, as my good nurse, Lycorida, hath oft delivered weeping. Well, stop there a little! Another aside here as he's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Talking to himself. I think a great twist would be if they found out all these things and she turned out to still be a different Marina. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Marina from the east side, not the west side. <laughs> of what you shall deliver give me leave how came you in these parts where were you bred 
The king my father did in Tarsus leave me, till cruel Cleon with his wicked wife did seek to murder me. Ah, uh, Cleon. I think there's like five references in this episode to cruel Cleon. What a bastard. What's the thing? He didn't do. He didn't really do anything. It was. It was his wife. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Macbeth, Lady Macbeth. Shakespeare's done that one. There we go. Yep. Dionysia may be the true villain, but uh, Cleon gets the blame. I am the daughter to King Pericles. If good King Pericles be. Calls my lord. So it's hard not to get uh, enthralled by the by the show again, even though I've already listened to it four times, and I and I adapted it. But it does such a great job. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Russell is, you know, again, Russell and uh, Emmeline both just uh, amazing, amazing job in this scene. Um, and, you know, one of the challenges as an actor, um, as a voice actor in uh, in a scene like this where there's so much emotion and you're you have you you're so loud is that it's hard to record lines like that without you know clipping without uh, you know basically going so loud that it sort of blows out the sound. So it's particularly challenging. Yeah, Adam, you know this challenge well um you know when recording lines where you're screaming and shouting of uh doing it in such a way that it doesn't uh basically ruin the audio very exactly very rule of thumb is turn your audio down to 20 percent, step back and then have at it exactly yep yeah um, that's I, it, you'll approach I, I played a character in a podcast who just had to be absolutely screaming enraged and so i dialed down my my audio to 20 percent, my, my uh, sensitivity and i stepped back six feet and just went all out. Mm -hmm. Scared the hell out of the dog, but um, <laughs> I got the take I wanted and it sounded perfectly reasonable. Yeah. I always get nervous when recording uh, screaming lines myself. I'm like, can the neighbors hear me? Are they gonna call the cops? <laughs> I, I've had a friend had that happen. Like they oh, called wow. the cops on her because she was screaming and yep. Oh. Um, nobody's done it with me. Apparently nobody cares what happens to me, but you know. <laughs> I can just hear the neighbors. He was screaming about getting to a nunnery. I don't know what to do. <laughs> he was screaming obscenities, but he does that on a normal day. So, you know. And par for the course. <laughs> and of course, the only way that we can really wrap up a plot like this is to literally have God show up and explain yes. everything. Yes, the heavenly music uh, creeping in here. Um, yeah, experimented with a few different uh, heavenly music type vibes going on, but uh, but uh, yeah, this is a fun moment. Only he can hear the music, and everybody else thinks he's just uh, freaking nuts. It is good not to cross him. Yeah, I like that line there. It's good not to cross him. This dude is probably you know psycho. But we, we, the audience, can hear it, and he can hear it. So really, isn't Lysimachus wrong? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so the expression we know, uh, what is it? Um, uh, ex machina, Dios ex machina, that God shows up and solves everything. This is it. This is what, why we have that expression. <laughs> oh, very nice. E. Rachel Ward here as uh, as uh, the goddess Diana. Um, you know, a great example of a relatively small role, but a huge impact. You know, in this in this episode, you know, one of the most memorable parts here, and she she totally nailed it with her uh, goddess like voice here. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, you can say I played God. You know, <laughs> I peaked early, but you know, I played God. <laughs> 
And E. Rachel Ward, she's a, she's a pendant regular. Uh, so it's almost like a movie star having the, the cameo. <laughs> like, oh, you know, it's... Oh, I know her. Yeah. She's only charging $50 for her autograph. <laughs> Morgan, I loved your note in the script, by the way, about the term goddess Argentine. Argentine meaning silver, not Argentinian. Do not cry for her. <laughs> I, I, I put that there because I genuinely didn't know what it meant. I had to bust out the old dictionary. It was a good note. I'm like, Argentine? Like, what? Why, why are we bringing well, yeah, Argentina? Uh, yeah, Ar Argent is, uh, is, is silver. Now that I think about it. <laughs> I didn't think about it at the time. I wasn't smart enough to do that. But now it clicks. <laughs> and the final transition of the play as Gower comes in and takes us over to uh, Ephesus. Ephesus. Honestly, I do not know which one is the correct pronunciation. We got a bit of both from uh, our cast. but uh, we, Yeah, we had like, what, 26 different pronunciations? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I know. Um, I know the name Thasia gave everybody uh, conniptions. That was yes. Like. Yes. And you know what? There was no consistency between how major Shakespeare companies have pronounced it. I just went with Thasia because that's uh, how uh, the Royal Shakespeare Company said it, and it sounded right to me. Uh, yeah, it works. Yeah, no, a couple had to go back and, you know, ask a couple actors for retakes and such throughout the production, but uh, all worked out well, and uh, our cast was all too uh, generous with their time and happy to happy to do that when when necessary. Yeah, that's one thing about voice acting is to remember that retakes are a part of life. It is. Uh, it's, no, uh, it's no big deal. Um, I've been done all kinds of retakes for any number of reasons, so... It doesn't mean you're you're a terrible actor or anything. It just means that you didn't give them what they want. Exactly. In fact, you might have been too good. <laughs> no, that's usually not the problem. It's usually, hey, listen, there was background noise, or uh, you mispronounced this, or I didn't like the emotional context of this. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it could be any number of things, but it's just part and parcel of the job. Mm. Herself, my daughter. Voice and favor. You are, you are. Oh, royal Pericles. Oh. I loved uh, Thasia's oh. <laughs> like, just the I mean, way she said. Even if you didn't put the sound effect of her falling, you'd know she just fainted. Exactly. <laughs> I got to give Thasia credit. I mean, she, she gave us plenty of takes to work with for, for each uh, set of lines. Mm -hmm. There was Murray. always a range, and yep. so it was great to, to be able to pick what what we needed. Yep. Yeah, Kendra did a great job. Pendant favorite uh, Dave Morgan uh, has a ceremony here. This final scene. Look, is recovered. Oh, let me look. If he be none of mine, my sanctity will to my sense bend no licentious ear. But curb it, spite of seeing. Licentious. Oh, That's the kind of word oh, that I, if I'm reading it on my Kindle, my I have to press it to like see what it means. <laughs> Did you not name a tempest, a birth, and death? The voice of dead Thasia. That is one of those words you might have to say two or three times if you're reciting it in a line. Yeah. <laughs> There's always a line that is the bane of a voice actor's existence. Like right. for me, saying gasped or rural. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, recently oh, yes. I've learned that cultists 
is, uh, yeah, saying stuff like that can be the bane of your absolute existence, trying to say it in a sentence. Oh, 100%. It's like the combination of certain consonants um, is tough. And yep. when, like, one word ends in S, and then the very next word that comes after it begins with S, that's also the worst, yep. too. I can't stand it. <laughs> yep. And imagine imagine doing that with a character voice. Yep, exactly. Makes it all the, all the more tough. I like that line. I know you not. Who's this random dude? Who's this rando? <laughs> I'm trying to have a special moment with my husband and daughter here. <laughs> so moral of the story for Pericles is don't travel by sea and always carry your ID with you. <laughs> this whole final act has so much, for lack of a better word, reverse exposition, where they have to constantly remind each other what's happened in the previous act. Yeah. Because so much has happened in this play. <laughs> it would be great to do a parody of this where they just hand each other the script and be like, listen, look at, look at, look at the previous act. <laughs> It's perhaps just because it's, you know, it's a couple thousand lines shorter than most of his other comedies. It, it just feels so frantic that everything is happening. Oblation means prayer. I had to look that one up. Night oblation sounded suggestive maybe, but no, it's a pretty prayer. <laughs> I had that same thought. <laughs> Lord Saruman hath letters of good credit, sir. My father's dead. Heavens make a star of him. Yet there my queen and in sneaks the closing music. It's always one of my favorite uh, favorite parts to edit. The closing dramatic music as it uh, swells bit by bit, signaling that uh, we are near the end. And Gower takes the stage one last time as everybody hugs behind him. The audience is roaring, demanding a standing ovation. Babies are getting thrown in the air. Women are crying. Men are fainting. It's a beautiful ending. <laughs> Cats and dogs living together in mass hysteria. In Helicanus, may you well descry a figure of truth, of faith, of loyalty. Not to pat ourselves on the back too hard, but this all comes together wonderfully here at the end. It's a great performance by everybody. Builds up. Great great show when hmm. fame had spread their cursed deed and honored name of pericles to rage the city yeah again i i just have to give props to uh, theo holt bailey as as gower with uh, these lengthy monologues throughout the production particularly like the beginning and end of each episode um and just delivering five or six takes for every single monologue a tremendous amount of work um and he just uh, absolutely nails it we all agree Yep. And here comes Adam to let us know. We have wrapped up Pericles. Uh, thank you to everybody uh, who has joined us along for the ride. Uh, Adam, uh, wonderful job working with you uh, as co-director. Pleasure working with you as well. Thank you so much, uh, Morgan. Um, couldn't have done it without uh, your, your awesome adaptation. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Likewise. Love the uh, love the flair you added to the script, um, you know, with uh, the singing and uh, all the other 
all the sound effects notes that uh, cannot be found in the original Shakespearean text. Shakespeare not, was not too lazy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I hope uh, all you everybody out there in the podcast land join us for Double Falsehood. It should be our next play. Oh, Excellent. Right. Great news. Never even heard of that one. It's kind of it's kind of new. <laughs> Wait a minute. Shakespeare wrote a new one. Well. Um, in recent decades, a play of questionable uh, authorhood has more or less been accepted to be Shakespeare's. And if you buy a new copy of the complete works of William Shakespeare, it'll probably be included. Huh. Oh, so I it's, it's academically that. interesting. Wow. All right. And uh, that is as news to us as it is to you, our <laughs> listener. So with that, we will uh, wrap it up and uh, very much looking forward to it. Thanks, Godspeed. Guys.